Ooh, thanks so much for the click. I'm Aaron Freeman, a science-loving comedian, and along with my partner, Dr. Peggy Mason, a fun-loving neuroscientist at the University of Chicago, welcome to the Brain Buddies podcast, sponsored by the Chicago Society for Neuroscience. Peggy and I love talking about brain-esque stuff. This chat was recorded live via Skype, as you'll be able to tell when you hear it right now. Josiah Zayner, it was the subject of an article in the New York Times, is a biohacker. What was his problem? I read this article, I watched the video, I was really intrigued. Here's an individual who took matters into his own hands and he did biology. He's a citizen doing biology and there's huge yay coolness to that. What he didn't like about his life was that he basically poops all the time. He poops way too many times in a day. And it's and he felt that this was too much. Uh, Wait, but can I just note though he was a real life scientist. He is oh, a yeah, real yeah, life yeah. scientist. But but he worked at NASA. He actually got his PhD degree at where I work at University of Chicago. Yes, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, he, he he has what sounds to me like some version of irritable bowel. He was not getting any satisfaction from physicians. Right. And he and also he also had what I would consider a fairly unique experience with the medical community in that he had doctors who he felt didn't care, doctors who fell asleep during his consultations, which has not been my experience of medicine overall. He had seemed to me like he had really rough luck with his medical treatment. I, I think that the, the experience of being dissatisfied at one time or another with your physician's treatment is, is a relatively common experience. But sometimes, not, not through any fault of your physician, you're not satisfied because somebody can't give you answers and whatever it is that's going on is still going on. And you're stuck with that life and you don't want it. And he, didn't wa- he doesn't want to poop all the time. Okay, I can, I can understand that. So great. He takes things into his own hands. Somehow, and I don't quite understand, how, do you know how he got his hands on antibiotics? No, but I assume they're relatively ubiquitous, aren't they? They should be prescribed by a doctor, so I don't know how he got his hands on antibiotics. His goal is to replace his entire microbiome, so he treats himself with antibiotics, and that is aimed at his gut flora. He moved out of his apartment, moved into a hotel room, and made it as sterile as he could. He takes a very good shower, a very scrubby shower, that's supposed to, I, I guess, get rid of most of his skin microbiome, and then he also washes his mouth a lot so he's trying to get rid of his skin mouth and gut flora he also has to find a microbial donor yes all before this he's found a microbial donor and he's managed to get the poop into the pill without dissolving the pill he's done a lot of preparation he's in good shape now he's in the hotel room he thinks he's starting from very close to a zero microbiome and he takes the pill And to prepare for this, he's also taken a sample, his own fecal sample, sent it to be sequenced for a relatively affordable price so that he can document whether indeed his gut microbiome does or does not change. That was smart. So then he pops the pill and he waits and he feels better and he gets sequenced and indeed his gut flora changed. And he felt better. It was a resounding success of this young man working completely on his own, from his own smarts, 
own idea, taking matters into his own hands. He did not change his skin microbiome or his mouth microbiome, which is not particularly surprising. It's just too easy to access your mouth and your skin. That stuff's just going to hop right back on. We're out more than a year, I believe, and his microbiome is stably different. So one of the things that I find interesting about this story is that he overcame the kind of risk aversion that would stop many of us from doing this kind of experiment. I couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it factually or emotionally. Well, so that you would, what you you would say, perhaps that the part of your brain that assesses the rightness, the wrongness, the goodness, the badness, the risks versus rewards, would simply not allow for this level of risk. Just taking the antibiotics, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's it's going to make your stomach feel like hell. I, you know, I don't want to go through that kind of. Although, uh, although I suppose it depends on how unhappy you are, how miserable, how desperate you are to cure your malady. I think that's I think that's 100% true. It totally depends on how sick you are. So I can't I, I can't put myself in his shoes cuz he was quite incapacitated. He was pooping too much when he was at work. It was one of the factors that made him leave work. One of the interesting notions here is that what he did wasn't science, although he was fairly rigorous in his methodology of replacing his own poop. He did, in fact, as you point out, he sent the pre-experiment sample off to have the genome sequenced, and he documented along the way most of the steps that he took in pursuit of this, but it's not really science because... It's medicine. It's using a lot of science, and it's using science very cleverly, but it's medicine. I could say... He did all this stuff, and it, and that's great, but really what, what helped him was the placebo effect. He puts all this effort into it. Are you kidding me? Of course he's going to feel better. Can his psyche even tolerate the alternative? So, and you can't refute that because, well, yes, because I can. I, I, there's I, no control. I absolutely no control. can refute that. He, his, the sequence of, of genes in his gut changed. That's empirical. There's, there's not, it's not well, a, that is true. No the sequence of... of, of um, the sequence in his gut, but do we even know that it changed to what he took in his in the pill? Did the pill get sequenced? Well, I mean, no, I, I don't think that his pill. Maybe it changed been... to something else. Well, but his goal. Maybe was yes. To... Maybe yes. He 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 emptied his floor, but do we know that it changed to what to the pill? You don't really know that that the steps that he lines up in a row. I got rid of my microbiome. I got somebody else's microbiome, this other person's microbiome in me. And now, because of that change in microbiome, my guts are functioning better and I feel better. True. You don't yes, know those, those steps. And you can't know them with an N of 1 and no control. He uses a lot of scientific method, and he certainly uses a ton of scientific knowledge. But it is not science. He's not contributing new knowledge. He's using it. To ask a neurobiological question, what you, what you mentioned about him and you mentioned about yourself is this human characteristic of curiosity. And uh, Leonard White over at Duke talks about that one of the characteristics of the human brain is that our brains have evolved this tendency toward curiosity. How neurobiological can you get in describing curiosity? 
I think that curiosity is a very important uh, motivating factor for for what I would call the e explore versus exploit divide. I could decide that I'm going to exploit the lovely softness and quietness of my couch for a long, long time. But after a while, I'm going to start to get hungry. I'm going to start to get thirsty. I might have to avoid. So exploiting that couch is no longer the perfect answer to what I should do right now. And so I'm going to have to go explore whether that means to go get something to eat, go get something to drink or to avoid, that it, it doesn't matter. This gets back to a point that you made in an earlier podcast, which is one of your UFC buddies said that what got him into neurobiology, neuroscience, was the question of why do anything? So in this- why do any, That's exactly right. right. And it's actually Don Pfaff, who's at Don Rockefeller Pfaff. University. Not, not University of Chicago. Don Pfaff. Well, I, I, assume, I assume all good things come from you, Chicago. But okay. <laughs> all right. But so, so the, the, the question, why do anything? Why Josiah Zaner took this particular action was the normal human desire to relieve one's own suffering. I think that's right. He was in sufficient discomfort that he felt this was the way to go. That he was sufficiently motivated to do this very difficult, long, arduous sequence of, of, of tasks. You know, he did appear to want his work to be taken seriously uh, as, Absolutely. as science because he did work hard to document it and to use the best of his scientific knowledge and scientific skill to try to uh, make this into something that could be, if not extrapolated from, at least usefully understood by people of a scientific bent. I, I appreciate the provocativeness of this action. Yes. I, and a large part of me likes what he did. I like that he took things into his own hands, that he's participatory in his own health in a very scientifically creative way. In my opinion, and I, and I read into his actions and his words, that he, he shares this belief that medicine should be a service industry. It's not what's the right treatment. It's what, given your circumstances, given the way that the illness plays out in your life and your values, what do you want to happen? Do you want to say, fine, come and get me disease? Or do you want to fight it with everything? Or do you want to fight it with a little bit? What do you want to do? It is your choice. And the physician should be there to serve you, in my opinion. Now, I don't see that as the dominant mode in medicine. And I think that he doesn't either. And that was the essence of what frustrated him. And I have great sympathy for that frustration. And then there are some, some concerns. There are physicians that object to the trivialization of expertise. By choosing to be his own physician, essentially, he is trivializing medical school and the medical profession. Dr. Robbie Emmaus, who used to work at the Museum of Science and Industry, says that many scientists tend to clutch their pearls at the thought that some amateur is taking matters into their own hands and is doing work that should only be done by trained professionals. Right. So I don't know how much of it is clutching pearls and how much of it is you could make a, a good intellectual argument for. I, I don't Personally, I don't see the great intellectual argument for it, but I could be wrong. If, if listeners want to weigh in on that, let's let's hear from you. How much are you willing to disobey a doctor? Let's say a doctor says you should take these antibiotics or you should stay in the hospital. 
Are you willing to stop the antibiotics if you don't like what they're doing to you? Are you willing to check yourself out of the hospital without the doctor's consent? Thanks immensely much for listening. If you are a neuroscience fan, we hope you'll check out the Chicago Society for Neuroscience online at chicagosfn.org. You are also invited to visit Peggy's blog, thebrainissocool.com, and you can find us both on Twitter and Facebook. We're just getting started here, and we would love your feedback and or suggestions of neuroscience topics you'd like to hear us talk about. We really would love to hear your answer to the question, How much are you willing to disobey a doctor? Let's say a doctor says you should take these antibiotics or you should stay in the hospital. Are you willing to stop the antibiotics if you don't like what they're doing to you? Are you willing to check yourself out of the hospital without the doctor's consent? Until next time, wishing you ponds that are peaceful and gleels full of glee from the Chicago Society for Neuroscience's Brain Buddies podcast.